Well, I think we are somewhere around five weeks into this thing. And I wonder, have you developed any new habits or hobbies? Sounds like people are taking more walks than they used to. I know that some people have taken up bread making. There was a New York Times article on that asking where has all the flour gone. Uh, For my family, we have started watching movies from my childhood. So Friday night at the Wells house is movie night. We've gone through the Star Wars trilogy, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Princess Bride. Uh, The first movie I ever remember crying over was Harry and the Hendersons. Do you know that film? It was a 1987 comedy about a family from Seattle, the Hendersons, who develop a relationship with a Bigfoot who they named Harry. And most of the movie's plot turns on the Hendersons trying to protect Harry from people who are looking to capture him for profit. Anyway, at one point in the film, the Hendersons take Harry back to the mountains so that he can run off to safety. But Harry's confused. He doesn't understand. I mean, why does this family who supposedly loves him want to leave him? How could this be good? He doesn't understand, and he won't run off into the mountains. At one point, in fact, the father of the family, George Henderson, goes so far as to hit Harry to try to get him to run off into the woods. It was at that point that a red-headed, freckle-faced little boy started sobbing. You know, sometimes it can be difficult to see how someone leaving you could be for your good. How someone going away from you could be to your advantage. I think about that story as I think about this scene in John's Gospel. It's the night before Jesus' crucifixion, and Jesus starts telling his disciples how he is going to have to leave them. In John 14, 7, he says, Because I have told you this, sorrow has filled your heart. See, his disciples were sad and they were confused. And what will they do without their leader? And not only that, Jesus also tells them in John 16, 1, that they're going to be put out of their synagogues, that is, their faith communities. How are they going to face the world without their leader and without their faith community? Will they fall away? Maybe some of you are in that same place. Future's uncertain. Your religious community has been taken away from you in lots of ways. And you're sad and you're confused. And, and maybe you're asking, well, what am I going to do? And how am I going to face this brave new post-coronavirus world? Will I fall away? These are the questions that the disciples are asking. But Jesus says something very staggering in verse 7. He says that while they may have sorrow, it's actually to their advantage that he goes away. You're thinking, wait, what? How could it be to their advantage that Jesus goes away? I mean, what could possibly be better than Jesus? And Jesus tells us, He says, it's to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, when Jesus mentions the helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says that it's to your advantage that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send you something better. Holy Spirit. Today, we are starting a new series on the Holy Spirit. Author, pastor, theologian Sinclair Ferguson notes how, for many of us, the Spirit remains an anonymous, faceless aspect of the divine being. I heard one pastor say that that his Holy Trinity growing up was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. Now, he said that tongue-in-cheek, but for many of us, I think it kind of rings true, doesn't it? There's this story in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul runs into a group of people and he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And um, the people kind of dumbfounded respond to Paul, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I think most of us are kind of like those people. I mean, if not literally, we've probably heard that there is a Holy Spirit but at least functionally. Let me prove it to you. I mean, what if I were to submit my resignation next week? Now, I know a few of you would be sad, but I said, hey, I'm not moving on. I'm not moving on. Uh, I'm still going to be on staff, but but I'm, I'm, a, I'm not going to be the lead pastor anymore because Jesus has shown up in the flesh, and he is now going to be the lead pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church. I mean, Could there possibly be anything better for the church than that? And wouldn't you be thrilled? I mean, think about the possibilities of ministry and impact in in Santa Barbara. Or forget Santa Barbara. Think about the whole Central Coast and L.A., California. I mean, the regional and national and even global impact would be huge. I mean, huge. Now, Now think about how excited you get at that idea. Let me ask you, are you just as excited, even more excited, to hear that Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to you? Do you believe that it's better, do I believe that it's better, to have the Holy Spirit than for Jesus to be among us in the flesh? Is it better to have the Spirit than going to coffee with Jesus and and uh, to have him preaching every week. and uh, Because that's exactly what the disciples had with Jesus. I mean, it was Jesus who they sat with at the fire at night chatting about life. And it was Jesus who they woke up with in the morning and ate breakfast. And it was Jesus who they heard preach uh, day in and day out. Yet Jesus says he has something better for them. Holy Spirit. I mean, do we really see having the Holy Spirit as more advantageous than having the incarnate Christ among us? Does your experience of the Holy Spirit actually validate what Jesus' promise that, that his leaving would be better for us than his staying? See, I'm not sure that we really get how important the Holy Spirit is. What is the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit? What what does the Holy Spirit give us 
that you would not have had and I would not have had otherwise. Well, I want to look at Jesus' teaching about the promise of the Holy Spirit in John chapters 14 through 16. And I want to show us, uh, I want us to see two things, at least two things that, that the Holy Spirit brings that are to our advantage. First, the Holy Spirit gives us Jesus' truth. In John chapter 16, verses 12 through 14, Jesus tells his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Let me ask you, have you ever had someone say something to you that you just weren't ready to hear, or at least you weren't ready to hear it from them? I remember one time after um, preaching on a subject, someone coming up to me and they said, man, that was mind-blowing. I have never heard that before. And I thought to myself, um, that was the same exact thing that I taught in my sermon a year ago. In fact, it was almost word for word. And I know that person was there. Now, I don't take any offense at that. Uh, sometimes someone will come up to me. Uh, one time someone came up to me after a guest preacher preached, and they said, uh, I, I am so glad that I got to hear that today and what they said. And I, I thought, I, I said the same thing two weeks ago in a sermon. But, but I really don't take uh, offense at that because the reality is, as I know in my own life, there are just some things that I'm not ready to hear. There are some aspects of truth that I'm not ready to hear yet, or I'm not ready to hear from a certain person. Jesus tells his disciples that there are things that he has been teaching them that they just aren't ready to hear. But what you can't hear from him, what Jesus says to his disciples, what you can't hear from me, you can hear from Holy Spirit. He will lead you into all truth. And what truth is it that the Holy Spirit gives us? Well, first, the Holy Spirit gives us the truth that Jesus himself taught. Look at John chapter 14, verses 25 and 26. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples, his closest followers, the twelve who have been with him day in and day out for the last three years of ministry. And he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will enable these disciples, his first followers, to remember and to understand the things that Jesus taught them for those three years. That is what you actually have in front of you. Right now, if you have a Bible in front of you, your Bible, this is the culmination of the disciples' supernaturally empowered memory and their supernaturally empowered understanding of Jesus' teaching. Let me say that again. If you have a Bible in front of you, your Bible is the disciples' supernaturally empowered memory and supernaturally empowered understanding of Jesus's teaching. So, why is it better to have Holy Spirit than Jesus? Because if we had coffee with Jesus, 
we would either forget or misunderstood what he said uh, within two days. A lot of what he said. But if we have this, then we can go back to it over and over and over again so that we don't forget. And we have the Spirit so that we can understand. You see, the Holy Spirit first opened up the memory and the understanding of the apostles so that they could record their empowered memory and understanding in the scripture for us so that Holy Spirit could then in turn open our hearts and our eyes to Jesus' teaching. And it's not only Jesus' teaching. The Spirit gives us the truth about what Jesus has and will accomplish for us. In John 15, 26, Jesus says that when the Helper comes, He will bear witness about me. Holy Spirit comes to bear witness, to testify. Now, this is courtroom imagery. In the court, you want an eyewitness account, and you want someone who has been at the scene from the beginning. About every other year, there is a wreck at the intersection right out here at Victoria and Anacapa outside my office. I hear a crash, I run out, but I always arrive too late for my eyewitness account to be of any value. Throughout the Gospels, we see many witnesses to Jesus' life. Their names litter these pages, literally. But there is one witness that is there the whole time. Holy Spirit. He was there at the beginning at Jesus' conception. He he was there at the start of Jesus' ministry at his baptism. He was there when no one else was at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. He was there at Jesus' miracles, every single one of them. He was there at the cross and he was there at the resurrection. See, Holy Spirit is the chief witness who bears witness to all that Jesus accomplished. So in this courtroom, Holy Spirit is the witness, but not only the witness, he's also a trial lawyer. John 16, 8-11 says that when Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. These are Jesus' shorthand for describing his accomplishments. It was the world's sin which crucified the Son of God. It was righteousness that served as the basis for Jesus' own resurrection. The righteousness of God who raised him from the dead and vindicated him. And the righteousness of Jesus who was vindicated as the righteous one and lives in eschatological righteousness. And on Jesus' ascension into heaven... He was enthroned over Satan and all the powerful forces of evil. This is what Jesus has accomplished. And the Holy Spirit comes not only to bear witness to that truth, but to convince us that these truths are for us. So how do you know if you are having a genuine encounter with Holy Spirit? 
How do you know if the Spirit is leading you into the truth? Well, here's the best way to tell. It's simply this. You are enamored with Jesus. See, if you have had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, you will make much of Jesus. And you will make much of what he has done. And if you don't make much of Jesus and you don't make much of what he has done, then you can be sure that you have not had a genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit. I used to love driving home to my hometown at night growing up. Because there's this point in the highway where you turn a bend and you just get this shot of the Memphis Bridge all lit up and beautiful. It didn't look the same during the day, but at night it was all lit up and beautiful. Now, when the lights of the Memphis Bridge are doing their job, your focus is not on the lights. Nobody drives by and says, wow, look at those lights. What they say is, wow, look at that bridge. That's the Holy Spirit. John 16, 14, Jesus says, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So why is it better that Jesus goes away and send His Spirit? Because it's only then that we can grasp the greatness of who Jesus is and the magnitude of what He has done. It's not just who he is and what he has done in the abstract, but it's who he is and what he has done for you and for me. The Spirit makes the truths about Jesus personal for us. See, we can read in our Bible that God so loved the world. But what the Spirit does is the Spirit comes and he tells you that the Son of God loves you and gave himself for you, that he bore your sins on the tree, that you might be healed. At Jesus' baptism, he had the Spirit minister to him. And do you remember there was a voice from heaven and it was a personal word. This one, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That is the ministry of the Spirit and it's the ministry of the Spirit to you and to me as well. It's God's personal word of love to you and to me. You You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. It is the spirit that sheds the love of Jesus into our hearts, that floods us with his love and allows us to grasp what is the height and the depth and the breadth of that love and goodness and sovereignty and majesty for us. Holy Spirit gives you Jesus' truth. That's the first thing. The second thing that Holy Spirit gives us and why it's advantage that Jesus goes away and sends Holy Spirit to us is that the Holy Spirit also gives you Jesus' presence. In John 14, 18, Jesus tells his worried disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. But wait a second, we say, how does Jesus come to them? I mean, when is he talking about? Is this after the resurrection, when he raises from the dead and comes to them? Is, is 
Is it at his second coming? Well, he goes on in verse 20 of chapter 14. And that day, the day when he comes to them, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So the day that Jesus is talking about when he's going to come to them, when he's is not going to be a day when he is beside them. It's a day when he is going to be in them, when they know that he is in them. And that is the day when he sends his spirit. Just look back a few verses in John 14, 16, and 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know what is better than having the incarnate Lord beside you? Having the exalted Lord inside of you. Holy Spirit brings the presence of the risen and exalted Lord of the universe into the very center of our lives. Holy Spirit ministers the personal presence of Jesus to us. Holy Spirit is the personal spirit of the one who loves you and who gave himself for you, who bore in his body all your sins on the tree. Holy Spirit is the personal spirit of the one who conquered death for you. Holy Spirit is the personal spirit of the one who crushed Satan on your behalf. See, here's what this means. It means that Jesus is as present with you as he was with his disciples. Do you know that? I mean, let me say it again, because if you're like me, that is staggering and unbelievable, very difficult to believe. But listen to me. This is what Jesus is saying. By sending Holy Spirit, Jesus is as present with you as he was with his disciples. See, he was not exaggerating when he said that he promised to be with us even to the end of the age. So let me ask you, is that your experience of Christianity? Is that your experience of Christianity right now while you're sheltering at home? Are you cognizant that the risen Christ is personally present to you everywhere all the time? Do you interact personally with God? Or are you like me? And Christianity seems more like a a set of beliefs to which you adhere. Very important beliefs and ideas. Or or maybe a, a lifestyle to which you conform, that you've given yourself over to. But what Jesus is saying is that, and what Holy Spirit means is that, that Christianity must be much more than that. It's a dynamic relationship in which you daily walk with Holy Spirit and move in His power. You see, because God wants and has always wanted to be vitally present in and through His people. And here's what that means for you. The presence of Holy Spirit means that that when your conscience is pricked because you are, I don't know, trying to escape, 
all the stress and anxiety of the situation through social media or binging out on Netflix or overindulging in food and alcohol. That when your conscience is pricked about those things, that's Jesus' loving hand on your shoulder. It, it means that when you are when you're convicted because, because you you keep trying to get more and more news and read more and more uh, models about the data. When you go to the, to the public health site one more time to check all the stats, just to make sure that you can feel some sense of control and, and get this illusion of control in what feels to be an, an uncontrollable world and situation. When you get convicted about that, they say, why am I doing that? Why, why do I feel compelled to do this? That's Jesus. Jesus reminding you that you don't need to do his job. And that he hasn't left his post. Nor will he. The presence of Holy Spirit means that, that when you hear a song or a sermon... When you talk to a friend and receive a word of encouragement and you were just overwhelmed by God's love. That is Jesus singing love songs to your parched soul. The presence of Holy Spirit means that, that when you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death and, and, and scripture comes to your mind, that isn't your memory being jogged. That is the Lord of the universe personally speaking his promises of comfort to you. Oh child, I am with you. Do not fear. Listen to me. God wants to be vitally present in and through his people. And the coronavirus cannot thwart God's desire. Jesus is not sheltering at home. By Holy Spirit, Jesus is sheltering in your home. And I want you to remember that. When you wake up in the morning and you're overwhelmed by the to-do list of the day. And when you're trying to balance household chores and engaging your children. When you're trying to cook meals and cultivate marriages while getting grocery shopping done that is way harder than it has ever been. When you're wiping down all the surfaces of your devices and countertops and doorknobs at night. When, when you lay your head down on your pillow at the end of the day. Or when you lay your head down, even when you lay your head down in a hospital bed, I want you to remember and to know that Jesus is with you and that through you and every single one of those circumstances, Jesus wants to be with this world. That's why I ascended on high and sent you Holy Spirit. And so, God, now I do ask that we might know that 
that you are present with us. That we might relate to you. That we might hear you in your personal word to us, your personal call to us, and that we might respond to you vibrantly and personally. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.